This is Reset. I'm Esther Yunji Kang, in for Sasha Ann Simons. Right now, 6.5 million people in the U.S. over the age of 65 have Alzheimer's. But that number is expected to grow to nearly 13 million by 2050. So what does that mean for the country's fastest-growing racial group? Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders make up more than 7% of the U.S. population today, but fewer than 5% of Alzheimer's research participants. And as the AAPI, or API, community grows, experts are worried that a disconnect between research and reality could lead to poor health outcomes for older Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. The AHEAD study is working to improve the diversity of Alzheimer's trials. Dr. Neelam Agarwal is a neurologist at Rush Alzheimer's Disease Center. She's part of the study, and she's here to tell us more. Hi, Dr. Agarwal. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. First, let's talk about what we know about Alzheimer's disease. How does it affect the brain? You know, Alzheimer's disease affects the brain in many ways. For your listeners, the most common way that they hear about is with memory. So people start having difficulty with short-term memory, remembering lists, remembering items on a list, where they put things. And then it can move into time relationships for, like, when did I do something? Was that a week ago? Was it two weeks ago? And then it can move into other areas of cognition, that's the word we use, that affect language, judgment, where you are, your sense of space. So what are some signs and symptoms of the disease? Well, it comes on quite slowly uh, for many people, and that's why it goes unnoticed. Because many, you know, many older adults will say, well, that's just, that just happens with age, you know. Or, yes, I'm having mm. a senior moment or mm. I'm forgetting things. Well, that, you know, that happened to my aunt. That happened to my neighbor. But what happens is, is that those little senior moments are those moments where you're forgetful and you start, let's say, misplacing items or missing a bill to pay, mm. sometimes skipping medicines. These are some of the symptoms that people start to, you know, basically um, rack up. More and more of these issues start to occur, and then it becomes more noticeable where other people may notice and say, wow, there are some changes here in her thinking. She's not thinking the way she used to, or he's not thinking the way he used to. And that's really then when we start to see many people seek help. What do the different stages of Alzheimer's look like? Well, the early stages, as I mentioned, you know, go unnoticed for many folks. And it can, you know, last for, for many years with people. But then when you get into the middle stages, we say, that's when it starts to really begin to interfere with activities of daily living. Mm-hmm. So these are activities that we all do to basically keep us independent. So that requires, as I said, paying bills, managing your own health, shopping, taking care of your home taking care of a mortgage, being a part of the family with family events, and, you know, independent activities that you normally do, cooking, toileting, showering, all those things start to get affected. And we start to see that occurring in the middle stages. As we progress with the disease, those activities that you did independently, now you become more reliant on other people to do. And that's what we start to see more in the moderate Um, into the severe stages where you need help. You need help for doing a lot of those activities. What do we know about what causes Alzheimer's? And how is the disease diagnosed? 
Well, you know, for what we've known about Alzheimer's has really come a long way. There are two things that are really main things that are happening in the brain. One is the formation of uh, what we call plaques. These are proteins that are in the brain that we believe are seen in Alzheimer patients in high numbers. Uh, and that protein, that amyloid plaque, is something that we've been really aggressively looking to lower as part of our treatments. The other protein we see in the brain is called tau. And that is also important because that seems to accumulate or, or have high amounts in the brain also with folks who have Alzheimer's. Other things that are happening in the brain, the nerve cells are dying in the brain, and we see that. So the brain volumes, if you will, the volume of your brain starts to change. Uh, and then there are many other chemical changes that are going on in the brain that really keep our you know, brain in, in tip-top shape, and those chemical changes are often lessened. So you don't have enough of those chemicals like acetylcholine. So who's at most risk for the disease? Well, I think it's a great question, and it's an important question that you just asked. So right now, those over 65 are at an increased risk of developing the disease. And as you get older, your risk increases. So by the time you're 85, there's already a one in two chance that you have the disease. As far as other factors, being a woman, if you are a woman, we are at an increased risk of developing the disease, and it is not solely due to the fact that we tend to live longer than men. There are other biological changes that are going on with women compared to men that we're beginning to understand that could put us at risk. The other thing that we know for a third risk factor really starts to come into our overall health, cardiovascular health. And we're really seeing this coming up now, and, and happily so, that people are aware that their heart health is really important for their brain health. So those who have heart disease, whether it be high blood pressure, diabetes. And then the last thing I want to mention to your listeners, because many people are thinking about this, is, well, what about family? What about family? This is in my family. Does that mean I am going to get this disease? And I often counsel my patients that, yes, family history does put you at an increased risk for developing the disease. And if you are older than 65, persons in your family who develop the disease older than 65, that risk we know is there, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. If you do lifestyle changes, you can really change some of those risks. And so that's what the messaging is, what we're telling people when it comes down to family history. Research shows that one in 12 Asian American and Pacific Islanders older than 65 have Alzheimer's disease nationwide. Mm -hmm. How does that mm -hmm. compare with other racial groups? Well, I think, first of all, you know, and, and I'm so pleased that you mentioned that statistic because that statistic is not well known in the community. And mm -hmm. I identify with the South Asian community. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you in our community that that number is not known for many people. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, that's an important number that we need to talk about. Compared to other ethnic groups, we're still learning more about the Api community, but from the black community and the Hispanic community, the rates are quite high. Mm -hmm. So there are twice, twice an increased risk in the African-American community compared to the white community and with Hispanics, around 1.5 uh, increased risk. So right now, we're hoping by engaging the API community to get involved in research and get involved in talking about this disease as it affects our communities, we can start to have better numbers 
for really what the risk truly is in our community. You're listening to Reset. I'm Esther Yunji Kang in for Sasha Ann Simons. And we're talking about Alzheimer's disease and the importance of increasing diversity among research participants. June is Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month. We said earlier that 5% of Alzheimer's disease research participants are Asian. Just 5%. Why do you think that figure is so low? Oh, it's, a, again, another great question. And, you know, we, we talk about it quite a bit. Our care teams talk about it with patients. I think one thing that, you know, in our community is that we have to remove the stigma of the disease in our community and that we have to start making people realize it's, it's not something to be ashamed of, to say that their memory changes and that this is Alzheimer's. And that, you know, it's not inevitable with aging, that it's caused by a disease. So that removes any type of feeling of guilt. You know, what did I do? Is this in my karma? Is this something that's happening to me because of something else in the family? And then the other thing here is that we have so many languages in our diaspora. I mean, it's fabulous how many languages we have. Over 100 languages um, in the Api community. And some of these languages and the ones that I know from the South Asian languages, we don't even have a word for a dementia or Alzheimer's disease. Mm. So you can imagine it is so difficult then to talk about this in the native language if there's not even a word for it. So we're really trying to make sure that as we speak about this disease and being inclusive, that we not only highlight that our community is being affected by it, but we're doing it in a very culturally sensitive and appropriate way with members of our community to start getting people to talk about it. And I'm focusing, along with my colleagues who work with the OPI community, let's talk about lifestyle changes. Let's talk about what we can do to prevent it. And that, we're hoping, is bringing people out to talk more about what they're experiencing at home, where many of these things are very private and not you know, coming out, frankly, to the public. So you're working on a national clinical trial that aims to prevent Alzheimer's disease and create treatments that that work for everyone. Tell us more about the AHEAD study. Right. So the AHEAD study is really a first of its kind. Uh, The first thing is is that we're looking for individuals 55 to 80 years old Hmm. who don't have Alzheimer's disease but want to prevent the disease. And we're looking at people who have an increased risk of developing Alzheimer's. And we're doing that by asking them to give a blood sample and undergo brain imaging to see if we can uh, find if they have elevated amyloid uh, in the brain with a special scan called a PET scan. And if so, um, what other markers would put them at risk? And then we can give them a medication. So this is truly something where we're really trying to get ahead of the disease from really uh, taking root uh, and causing issues for people. And it's being conducted in 75 research centers in the United States. So it is all across the U.S. I'm really pushing this message forward. And by reaching out to so many different research centers in the U.S., we are hoping to bring in uh, more of an inclusive and a diverse population to this study by being in areas where they live. So how can people learn more about it and sign up to participate? Well, the thing I always tell everyone is go online. Go online first. 
And the website is aheadstudy.org. Or if they don't want to go online, and if they just want to talk to someone, you can call 1-800-AHEAD-70. So it's 1-800-AHEAD-70. And I think this is something that everyone should just go on to see what is the latest that we're doing uh, when it comes to preventing Alzheimer's disease. Are there any takeaways so far that uh, you can share with us? Well, a couple takeaways um, has to do with, you know, people that are coming through, looking at the website, saying that the website is very informative. And again, that is something that pleases me because a lot of information is posted on that website. So when you go on that with you and a loved one, and again, I always encourage having a family member go on with you or a loved one or someone that you really would like to share this with, go through the website. We're posting a lot of good information on that site to help you make an informed decision. The other thing that's coming through is that so many people that are coming through or talk to me about this study say the same thing. I'm worried about this. I'm concerned about this. I'm doing fine, but this is in the family or I just saw my neighbor being diagnosed. Mm. I really want to do something Mm. and I don't want to wait for something to happen to me. What do I need to do? And I direct people to this website. That's Dr. Neelam Agarwal. She's a neurologist at Rush Alzheimer's Disease Center. Dr. Agarwal, thanks for your time today. Well, thank you for having me. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.